0: This podcast series is sponsored by Havwoods, the prevailing name in beautiful wood flooring design. Gracing the surfaces of hotels, workspaces, private residences and more, Havwoods offers stunning wood flooring and cladding options in all conceivable colours and designs. Visit our showrooms today or contact us for more detail at havewoods.com forward slash UK.
1: Hello and welcome to the interior design business. My name is Jeff Hayward and I'm here with my co-presenter Susie Rumbold, past president of the British Institute of Interior Design and creative director at Tsuta Interiors to discuss the subtle art of storytelling in interior design.
0: If the picture paints a thousand words, then surely an interior can tell a thousand stories. Our most beloved interior spaces are grounded in a time and place and speak eloquently of the lives of the people who have inhabited them, either now or in the past. But what is the magic essence that makes these much-loved spaces so special? And how can interior designers recreate this magic in their work? Welcome to the Interior Design Business.
1: Today, we're joined by two very special guests consummate storytellers in their own right. We have Nathan Hutchins and Inga Moore from Musa Lab. Welcome to the show. Before we begin,
0: can you each give us a brief introduction to yourselves and to the Musa Lab business? Nathan, can we start with you?
2: Sure. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hutchins and I'm one of the co-founders together with Inga of Musa Lab. It's a company that we started in 2016. And we wanted to really branch out and, and do our own thing for a bit, really focus on design, focus on building relationships with our clients and sort of finding our own place in the design industry. Fantastic. And Inga,
3: Hi, I'm Inge. Um, we came up with the name Musa Lab because we wanted it to be Inspiration Laboratory, Musa from the word muse and lab oh, because we wow. think there's science to design as well. Yes, I agree.
2: And your background in design.
3: Can you just tell me
1: a little bit about where you came from in terms of your designer heritage?
2: So my father was a contractor who specialised in historic restoration of Danish West Indian architecture. So I spent my sort of youth and my teenage years on construction sites around old buildings that you know had their own sort of very specific architectural style. And I loved being around construction, I loved being around buildings, but I wanted to be the person creating the buildings rather than um, building them.
3: Ever since I was little, I built houses for my dolls. Every like niche I could find, I'd make little pieces of furniture so every doll had a full on house. (laughs) (laughs) So I've always been building things. I love making things with my hands. Um, But when I went to uni, I decided, no, I can't do design. I started off doing computer science but then quickly segue back to design. You did?
2: Compu- I never knew Yes, Amazing. Um, that's no, that's, did you not know that? No, I didn't. That's actually <laughs> shocking on a number of levels for me. But it's
3: about the code. And, you know, design is like code. So you have to kind of put all the pieces together to make yeah. the design. Well, it's oh, we always say it's a
0: process. I know we're going slightly off topic here, but it, it is definitely a process. Mm-hmm. And I, I came up with something recently, which was, um, you know, the way if you have a, the, the sonnet is the most restrictive and formal form of poetry in the English language, where different lines have the certain number of syllables and that the couplets have to rhyme in a particular way, but within the structure of a sonnet it is possible to say anything. And I always think interior design is a bit like that, that it is a rigid process, but within the confines of that process it is
3: possible to say anything. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it, that there's so many stories and so many ways to interpret it.
1: So what do we mean by storytelling?
2: It's about taking people on a journey, giving spaces meaning. Um, And, you know, for us, interior design is about how we connect with people and how people connect with a space. And those little elements of design that sort of give that enduring meaning to a space is what storytelling is to me.
3: I think it's also how it makes you, how space makes you feel, because it's all about feelings. You know, you can walk into any beautiful room, But you don't remember it unless you feel something in that room and that's really what creates the memories and the story kind of sets the scene for that
2: can any art form be
0: used to tell a story
2: of course i think you know every art form is telling a story whether it's a song that carries a lot of emotion and takes you on a little sort of journey and you know you kind of get lost in a song you start thinking oh is this from a movie and what's happening and a painting or a ballet everything It's all about, again, it's that sort of emotional connection. It's just that thing, what's going to capture it in your imagination and make it memorable.
1: And if other art forms have a toolkit they use to communicate, such as rhythm, pitch, volume, instrumentation, what tools do you think are available to the interior designer?
3: Textures, materials, colours, finishes, all of those things woven together then tell a story.
2: I mean, it's about it's about creating a space that becomes a place you know and it's what's what's the mood what's the experience of arriving into it you know are you coming through a compressed space into a big open space um, what is the lighting like what is the just the whole atmosphere of a, of a space it, it does kind of guide you and you think about the way that people lead you through buildings you do have different volumes of spaces and you have intimate places and grand spaces and That kind of is part of the journey.
3: And the beauty is that every building kind of gives you the clue, the cues of, you know, this is my story. You know, it doesn't always have to be a big view, it could be like a a really tight view in certain spaces. And that's why, you know, before we start on the journey of this, we're kind of really trying to understand the building, trying to understand the culture of the place, you know, do a lot of research, find the stories and then weave them into our own so but if a if a building in
0: theory is just a series of boxes or shapes contained how when you i mean what i'm really thinking is is it it is it the ff e predominantly that you then use to draw out the story in that no, space No, not at all
2: it's everything it's the space planning it's not just a box you know for example in on the beach in athens we're working on a project that had a building that was existing and you know the architects were like okay you come in and here's the reception well no for me if I'm going to the beach in Athens I want to arrive at the beach so we replanned the whole building we moved the reception arrival experience to a window overlooking the beach and that's where you want to arrive that's how you want to start your experience of this place so for us it's it's the whole thing it's, it's really the space clear. planning it's the moving between indoors and out
3: yeah
0: and I suppose in that situation that you were just you were just talking about you're just describing a situation where in a way that the beach is the story and then you're looking at how you can enhance that and really magnify that within the design
1: yes
3: and as interior designers we can shape we don't just have to accept the square box you can shape the building of space planning you can create like a curved wall on one side which kind of leads the journey in a certain way in this instance we created a bit of a a ramp so you kind of went up this ramp and then had this magnificent big view in front of you so it's not just decorating the box but kind of exploring how we can get to the end story thinking outside of the box (laughs) sorry i had to say
1: it Do do you think about the stories that you're telling in terms of a beginning, middle or end, or if, if they're like journeys, a, a departure point and an arrival point? I mean, how, how does that affect your design thinking?
3: I don't think there's a beginning, middle part or an end. For me, it's kind of a concept, a story, a kind of a idea, yeah. uh, an idea, and you can loosely interpret it. And that's the beauty of it. It's not like a strict discipline of...
2: I think there's lots of short chapters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. What are the elements that make up the story of a place?
2: The site, I think, is always kind of where we start. You know, what what's unique about the site? Sometimes it's geographical, sometimes it's cultural, sometimes it's historical. So, you know, we were just having an offside conversation about where, where I came from and there was many colonial pieces of history to it and it developed a unique type of architecture that came from Europe but then was sort of adapted to fit tropical climate, yeah yeah, locations and it was through the, the introduction of deep arcades on the ground floors, big overhangs with what we call gingerbread which is the little patterns on the edge of the house. Um, you know, and that, that's a interpretation of history and the site and I think even in our modern projects it's it's the same thing. The site is the starting point and then history, culture, but also the use. Yeah, the you know. people
3: that use it and what do they want to use it? How do you want to feel when you use it? What do you want to do there? The light, you know, is it a bright light place? Is it a dark place? And all those things give you a different end result.
0: And if you're if you're working on a site, do you then look to the wider community in the wider setting I'm thinking about because I know you use some really interesting art and fabulous textures and you you bring in things like craft pieces and things I mean what are the other elements that you look for that perhaps surround that site that you would then incorporate into your projects
3: I think we're particularly keen on craft and kind of handmade things Um, you know it's tactile things that you touch and feel kind of really make an interior special I think it's not just smooth plaster or it could be just smooth plaster but it's kind of the tactile
2: the tactileness but it's also materiality so when we did the alpina in stad and you know it was the first hotel built up there in 100 years and the client's brief to us was that he wanted it really cozy and for us you're not going to find every building material that is you need locally but there are these amazing long stones in the rivers there and that's what we built the fireplaces out of so the, each of the fireplaces, the stonework, is from the local valley, from the, from the rivers. So we actually
3: what... went to the river and Ooh. pointed at so the ones you want. Yeah. We want
0: those stones to take them up. How so did you know that the stones were there? Did somebody on the ground tell you, look, there are these yeah. amazing stones in the rivers? We could you know, potentially find a use for those. And you kind of went, heart, we could use them for the fireplaces. Yeah. Yeah. But so, it's yeah. like
2: when you see that piece, that's going to be the mantle. Then you figure out how to make the rest of the fireplace Bit around round, it, yeah. and you know how they stack.
0: And do you also introduce elements of sort of local history, legends, myths, you know, culture that that end of the cultural thing, not just the the oh, yes, yes,
3: we love. What sort of things have you studying
0: the myths? Um, Was there anything in Athens because that's obviously you know full of. Mythology, Greece. Are you doing Grace? We
2: kind of felt in Athens that has been done so, so often. Done <laughs> so, it's the so wrong. So perhaps a bit of a that brand, was not a, brand a project slap. for us no. to do that on. Um, and we're not historians, so we kind of. But we'll, we like we'll taking play with history
3: or like yeah. reading yeah. about history. Um, I think we've done a project in Saudi Arabia where we went about kind of the mystery of traveling. You know, being a traveler through the desert, with a kind of. Mm. Nibetian traveller. Yes. You know, yeah, the sort of the idea the of kind the kind caravan of, yeah, and the myth and the you know, the feeling, the mood of it.
1: Do you think it helps that you're you're both quite international in your backgrounds?
2: I th- yes.
3: I think travelling, you know, nothing teaches you more than travelling and seeing things. And you know, the great other thing is the people we meet on each project are so special and everybody brings something to the end project. You know, we're not, it's not just us. It's like every person that we work with.
0: And then once you've sort of identified your, you know, you've found your stones and you've identified your craft works and things, how do you then start? I mean, you touched on this, Nathan, when you said, you know, you find the piece and then you build the interior around it. But how do you go about taking all those elements and spinning those into your story? It kind of
2: just happens.
0: (laughs) So it's a very organic process, would you say? Very organic. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think you have to have that sort of spark, that idea at the beginning. But then it, it is a journey, a design is a journey. So, you know, as you work on a project, you start to find more of those elements and then you meet this amazing artist. And then there's this really cool craftsman who says, hey guys, you know, what, what about stonework? And I can take you to this river. And then, you know, the client tells you something about the way they like having a shower and how it needs to be dark and cozy and you redesign the bathroom. And it's just little pieces along the way so sometimes the story that you end up with is not the story that you start oh, with. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And do you do you ever find that you're missing a bit? You ever find that you've got there's a gap in the story that you need to
3: plug somehow? Does that ever happen? It happens, and then we kind of brainstorm, see how we can fill the gap. You know, a material, a texture, a piece of art.
0: Yeah. Yes. And then you sort of so then at that point you might identify that you need something. Then go back out into exactly. the marketplace to say and right we need something special for that corner. It's just perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And is the client on that journey with you throughout the process? Hopefully.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, every project is different. You know, it's a different group of people. Sometimes it's one or two people. Sometimes it's 20 people. Um, But that's often the success of the project is the people on the project. Like how much freedom does the owner give you? And those and are I'm, often the most successful projects.
0: And I guess because you guys are sort of known for that method and that handwriting, you you probably do attract clients that give you that freedom to, to create. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes not. Sometimes <laughs> not. What happens when you don't get the freedom to create? Uh, I mean, I tell think
2: we've been pretty lucky. And uh, I think if if a client gets on board at the beginning, um, the project just kind of runs, you know.
3: Mm. We're not good with corporate organisations, you know, where there's too much meddling. Um, you don't do design by committee. We're not I'm very guessing. well. Design by committee is a <laughs> you know, disaster. disaster. democratic. I believe in design democracy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and
1: do clients appreciate the value of your storytelling?
3: I think they do. That's why you know. It
2: really, makes the projects more personal for mm-hmm. them. So you know they get it. It's not just a pretty house or a cool hotel, it's a place that people want to go to. It's a place that people remember and, you know, it's it's that connection.
1: And important to make that emotional connection with the client first before before the the audience, if you like. So it's it's like bringing the client along with you mm-hmm. because they then understand it's right for the guests in the hotel. Or... But
2: they also then start contributing to the design. Of course, they so do. they get excited and they kind of give their inputs and they put a piece of themselves in the project along the way
0: how do you communicate the design to the client how what's the process for you guys so as you're pulling all these ideas together how do you then say there you go mr client this is what you're going to
3: get we start off with a big pile of samples not ordered in any way <laughs> not stuck on a board but just kind of lots of loose samples finishes hand sketches we still believe in hand sketching and then kind of workshop almost brainstorm that. So there's a big kind of collage picture board box to start off with.
0: But you must give the client some direction as to you know, yeah, or, we'll, or you we'll just literally you'll... let them play with it. No, no, no. We all play with it together. <laughs>
3: we'll play with it together. But we you know, we obviously sketch plans, we kind of this is the way we would recommend you do it. And that's often how we end up doing it. Amazing.
1: Now Moose Lab work on hospitality projects in exotic aspirational locations. You've done boats, you've done tourist train in Peru which I'm intrigued by because
3: that was special (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: um tell us about that tourist train in Peru I mean what
3: what, so that started off it was a a train that the client had bought in Australia and it was kind of you know the dark mauve kind of color on the outside and all timber paneled on the inside very dark
2: really heavy, heavy tropical hardwood
3: so we went to Peru to see this train that had just arrived there.
1: So he shipped it from Australia to Peru. Peru,
3: Exactly. Wow. As one does. (laughs) And then just kind of, you know, the budget wasn't very high. So we had to use what he had, but we wanted to totally transform it. So repainted it much lighter, stripped it out, but kept all the beautiful kind of metal detailings, you know, the kind of old heritage racks, but with a lighter vernacular and then added in, you know. Peruvian, macrame, artwork, textures, fabrics, kind of toured the market or the craftspeople that the local people introduced us to.
1: And if we want to take this train, where should we go?
2: It's yeah, it some it uh, different place. It's yeah. normally at Akipa to Cusco. So.
0: Oh, it's the Cusco train. Yeah. It it
2: doesn't yeah. do it doesn't do Machu Picchu no. because the gauge changes yes, on the track. Yes, yeah. So you it does no, go I to Cusco. No, I haven't, Pusco. but it's on my bucket okay. list. It's definitely number
0: one on my bucket list.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, but, but it goes like right across Peru, the big lakes, and kind this vast scenery, and and we also we wanted the focus to be the window art. Yes. not the train shouldn't be heavy and overwhelming.
1: Yeah, of course, of course, fascinating.
3: We've all walked into themed pubs and restaurants where the interior didn't feel quite right. Why do you think that is? Because like forcing a story rather than letting a story happen naturally.
2: They're shouting, they're screaming at you is what they're doing. They're like, this is it, this is it. Whereas I think, you know, some of our stories are are quiet. It should be a whisper.
3: it, It shouldn't be in your face. Yeah.
1: And how do you, how do you figure out what's subtle and understated and works in that way? Rather than, I mean, there must be some clients who say, "I want it in your face."
3: Then they're not the client. For and us. They're not, <laughs> they're not <laughs> for you. No, uh, uh, uh,
0: no. uh. What? But what would you say are the telltale signs of an inauthentic interior? If, if you walk into a room and you, it just doesn't feel right, but you can't quite put your finger on it, what do you think? What do you think makes you know? specifically what makes a, you said it's shouty, but what are those little details that make it inauthentic? What are they doing wrong, these companies?
3: I think there's just normally too much of something, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes it's as simple as just sitting in a chair and realising something over the course of a meal, you know, that you actually that is stunning, that little piece of art over there, and you want to get up and go look at it when you're done. It doesn't have to be a lot, but it has to be something. And it, if, it's, if it's too much, it's just, it's, it's a theme park. And that's not, it's a caricature at that point.
0: <clears throat> so it's, it, can't, it can't be reproduction, it needs to be authentic? When they're looking at some of the you know artifacts and things yeah because you get no, these I, I don't plasticized... think
2: that's fair I, well plastic anything is bad but I, I do think you know in the hospitality industry there is reproduction you know you have m- multiple quantities of things so you can't have every single thing be a hundred percent unique one-off piece but it has to have a reason you know well, so just
0: peppering the walls with horse brasses won't do it <laughs>
2: And how do you manage
1: the the way that each piece works together? Because that's that's also important, isn't it? It can't just be walking into somewhere where there's lots of different stories going on, they've got to work as a cohesive narrative. So how do you, how do you figure that out?
3: I think you need to have your one strong voice in each room, you know, mm. what is your statement piece, and then everything else can be kind of soft, and then that piece really tells the story.
0: So you're really honing in on certain key, a key view, a key element, a key texture, a key artwork. To to to, so each each area within your project has a, a, its own little hook. Would that be fair? I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's easy to tell a convincing story on a big budget, but how can you achieve it if you don't have the money for genuine ff And
0: when we say genuine, I I didn't, well, we didn't mean that it's necessarily a. The antique, because we've just established that it mm-hmm. can't always be the antique, but something that has that genuine sensibility.
2: Well, again, I think it's a lot more than just epiphany. You know, it's the whole mood of the space, it's the the color of the paint on the but walls, if you don't, it's the lighting, the it's the
3: budget. How I think very often in hospitality, we've got very low budgets. Actually, interesting. Yeah, so it's not like people think there's a massive budget, and it's kind of it's telling. Telling the story without that, you know, you just... We often don't have big budgets, but we still manage to do it. Mm.
1: Do you appreciate that as a creative challenge to to do it for less? Yes, (laughs) yes. (laughs) No.
3: Because we have to, though. But, you know,
2: know, everybody has a budget. Every project has a budget and you have to work within that. And it's, you know, sort of saying, Oh, right. I love that chair. That's got to be a statement piece. So, okay, we have to save money on the sofa and on the, it's
1: a balance,
0: the rug isn't and, it?
2: you know, it's you always. kind of, you find those things that serious you and then you save money on the rest.
0: In commercial projects, the end user is, you guys do both commercial and, and resi. In commercial projects, the end user is often psychographically profiled, but is not known as an individual. So you know the type of person, but you don't know whether it's Pete or George or Harry. Is there a different approach to storytelling with private clients? The stories you're telling surely are different to the stories
3: that you tell in commercial projects? I think it's much more personal if it's private, you know, you can really hone in or you know what they want, you know what they like. We're doing a foundation, chalets, a big foundation in Switzerland at the moment. And this client is a wonderful client. You know, we know, what he loves, we know what he wants to, his story that he wants to tell. And then we are really just helping him tell his story, you know.
2: But then it's also sitting down with them because this person we know quite well, his brother we don't. So, you know, sitting down one day over lunch and his brother explaining how his kind of personal space, the most like place for him to reset his mind is in a shower and how he'd love to be cocooned when he's having a shower so we went back and completely redesigned his shower it's all monolithic stone so it's like he's in this little sort of cocoon space where you can and it's it's big enough that you can actually lie down and just be completely drenched with water and so that's how he takes his time out he resets his mood and it's like you need to hear a little bit from somebody about what they're looking for or the experience they're looking for, so that you can design something for them.
1: Yeah, why why do you think private clients want to use their own home to tell a story?
3: Because it's kind of where you go to relax and escape, and it's kind of your window for the world of how who you are and what what floats you. You know what makes it interesting and what you love. Do you, Do you think there's
0: a difference in the stories that you tell between the private? Well, in my practice, we make a very kind of mental distinction between public areas and private areas within a home do you think there is the stories that you tell in the private spaces are different to the ones that you tell in the public spaces
3: I think they can be yes it's kind of more intimate
1: what do you think Nathan
2: yeah I think we've been doing a lot more residential the last few years and it's interesting you really have to get people to open up to you in a different in a different level you know like not many people tell you about the experience of taking a shower but that one conversation redefined an entire portion of the house just by having that so i think spend... or how they
3: want their wardrobe you know we've got yeah. that conversation yeah, of lots of people because you want to put things away in a certain way and mm. you know and then that gives you great satisfaction if it's all beautifully laid out Ask for what you want. Yeah. But I guess too,
0: you were just saying if you'd never had that conversation with the client about the show, you would not have known that. And he might have not felt confident enough to tell you. So how do you go about drawing those key details out from your clients, getting them to tell you- I think it's Their story so that you can then interpret it back to them.
2: I think it's important that not every interaction with a client should be a meeting. Sometimes it should be a coffee, a lunch, a glass of wine with dinner. And just sort of changing the interaction from being sitting across a table chatting with somebody to sort of sitting down and just talking like humans really changes the dynamic of how people start to, you know, open up and share things with you and really talk about themselves a little bit. or. or what they want to experience in their home.
0: Yeah, making making them feel relaxed and mm. confident enough to be able to have those, mm. share those in t- potentially intimate details. But
3: also just when you walk through a plan with them, you kind of, right, like, what would you do there? How would you feel there? You know, what what would you love there? So it's it's being a good listener as well is really important.
0: Do you think that high-end residential interiors today are the modern equivalent of the 18th century swagger portrait?
3: Well, I think that's a great way of, you know, telling the story is, absolutely.
2: I think people, they want their houses to be personal but interesting. And all of us have been in so many really boring houses, Mm. dull houses, and I think sort of The people at the level that we are working at, they want you to see, wow, they have amazing taste in art or like they have a sense of humor, you know, not everything is so serious and walking into somebody's house and seeing the most ridiculous chair, you just immediately it starts to to disarm you and you start to see a bit of them, you know, some people want to show off their wine collection or their record collection and it's all these little elements where their personality comes through in their
1: house. But
0: aspirational too, particularly, aspirational yeah, too. You, know, you know, who they want to be as well as who they are, who they aspire to be yeah. rather than just yep. who they are now.
1: And We're recording the show in Inga's house, and Inga, tell me about this giraffe motif because I've seen it around your house. What's the story?
3: I just love giraffes. <laughs> My partner in, we're both very tall, so we call each other giraffe. So we started investing in giraffe photography. So we've got like a Nick Brunt and, you know, through the house yeah. we've clicked different fantastic giraffe photography.
0: So is there, would you say then on that basis, there's a different approach to the private areas in a home as opposed to the public areas?
1: Yeah, bedrooms, bathrooms versus living
2: spaces or hallways
0: um i don't
2: know that there's a different approach but there are
0: different stories that you're telling possibly maybe a better way of putting it
2: yeah i mean in in a project that that we're nearing completion on now the way (laughs) the way that the family brushes their teeth is a little bit of a of an important thing for them because they currently have children that are at the stage of learning to brush their own teeth so this made us go back and redesign all of the vanity basins so that they have built in little toothbrush holders so that the kids make it part of their routine and i mean maybe that's a bit weird i don't know but that's interesting it is that kind of moment of a, a period of time when because of their children and where they're at and their development as as humans we redesigned it an entire piece of joinery
3: but i think probably the public areas at home are your aspiration what you want to be what you want to show the world and your room is kind of what you are
2: yeah we, that's interesting we've got a husband and wife where the wife is very meticulous and her wardrobe you know, it's, as you'd expect, lots of beautiful hanging spaces, lovely drawers to put things in. And when it came to his wardrobe, he goes, I don't want any of that. He said, I just need loose shelves and either it's on a shelf and if it's on the floor, it's dirty. That's it. I don't want to hang anything. So, you know, It's that
3: kind of personal, your own personality can really come through in your own private space.
1: And is it still important to weave elements of the story of the place Or the building into a private client's interior
3: yes it is yes yeah it's kind of having the the, um materials that go with the location the place yeah have you got any examples of, of where you've done that i think in a hot climate if you're building a villa you know you want the views are to be framed you don't want too many curtains you want it you know and you... not too many carpets, free mm. and open and like, so the air can flow through it. Mm. Um, but
2: you probably want stone floors because they'll be a bit cooler. Whereas in a cold climate, you know, you might want timber floors because they'll be a bit warmer in the winter. Yeah. Do
0: you ever come across the, a conflict where the, the, the client's personal story is heading in one direction, but the building is heading in an opposite direction? Oh, yes. Have you had <laughs> example? can you give us an example of, of, and how did you resolve it?
3: Lots so of convincing. Um, Who wins, the building or the client? Sometimes it's a compromise, you know. Often it's a compromise in the best possible way. You know, the client wants to be more um, contemporary, but the building is a bit too traditional. So it's kind of weaving those two things together to kind of find a marriage that works for everybody. Mm. Do you think that the stories you tell impact
0: the behaviour of the users?
2: I do. I think, um, it's always good to disarm people and make them really re- relaxed, comfortable. I think that's kind of the first tick of a successful interior space. And then, you know, one, once you've done that, again, is there something a bit whimsical and humorous? Is there just, I don't know, you want to be I just... would
3: say you have to, it's, it has to be something that makes you smile. It can't all be so serious, um, so... You know, you want to go into space, you want to relax, you want to smile and also kind of have something that you're going to remember.
1: Can you bring that sense of humour into hospitality interiors as well as into private residences? It's a
3: whimsical piece of artwork which is kind of unexpected or a little detail that's designed to like press for champagne, you know, something like that. That I, I like. One. I want one of those <laughs> in my house. <laughs> I put, I'm going to put one of those in my house. It won't be connected to anything but
0: I'll just put a button on <laughs> the wall. <laughs> Emotional design, equally relevant? Do you think for both commercial and private clients? You've touched on emotion. A a lot of what you've said to me about the stories is actually evoking emotions in clients.
2: Yeah, I mean, and again, going back to your earlier question about themed things, I think this is where it diverges, you know, a a themed thing is not necessarily emotional. whereas, Whereas for us, Story, stories, short stories are about creating that emotional connection. And it's just that little like, oh, that guy who painted that piece of art and, you know, picking up a table that you found on the roadside in, in Senegal with your client because the guy slammed on his brakes and we were there and I was like, oh, that's kind of a piece of garbage, but it's cool. And we had fun today. So let's bring it back with us. So I do think, you know, it that, needs that's to evoke an
3: emotion to be a success.
0: And that's it. I think that's a really interesting observation, Nathan, that you just made, that when you go into those pastiche interiors, that's, that actually is fundamentally the piece that's missing, is that you don't get that emotional response.
3: There's nothing you just that, get kind of overload. Just like, ugh. <laughs> yeah.
1: You must both be very open-minded when you come onto a project. I mean, you must you must feel like, you're just taking everything in when you when you're taking that brief in the first instance. Is that is that how you describe yourself? I think
3: that's a good way of putting it. Kind of, you have to soak it all in and kind of see what floats to the top and what kind of creates the spark that will work.
2: I think for both of us, we get seduced by buildings and sites with building sluts is what I want to say.
3: But <laughs> it's a beautiful yeah. building yes, we'll, you know. absolutely
2: we'll be like uh oh, they want to pitch but we're both going on holiday but then it's like okay. but that site is so incredible like how can we say no you know you just you do get that we excitement by the project yeah, well, you just
0: there's, there's just some parties you just want so badly no. yeah I, I agree so bonus question, of all the amazing projects that Muzalab have ever worked on, which is your favourite and why? Inga,
3: do you want to start with that one? I think we've done some lodges in Botswana, which I'd love. Um, you know, the one is up in the Savuti, kind of white sands, so dry. And then the project kind of close to it was in the Okavango Delta, like green and lush. So, I mean, those are just really special.
0: Why were they so special? Obviously, apart from the this, this setting, but what what
3: I think because you're so remote, everything has to be planned so well, but you could collect um, so many great stories there. You know, the one is good. was inspired by the elephants as we were there and the colour of the wet and the dry elephants and the different kind of oh, yes. mud tones. Yes. And, you know, it was just so the other one was like this kind of dry wood colour. So I think those will always stay special. Do you have a favourite, Nathan?
2: I think it's a very unfair question. <laughs>
3: you like have a favourite child. child? Exactly.
2: Um, you know, I think that... I know which one you the, love. The yacht that we just finished has been yeah. a really extraordinary. Amazing. Partner. So tell us a bit about that. Where is it? In- so it's currently in the Mediterranean, but it was originally built in the UK in nineteen, the late, early 1930s. Um, and it's one of those beautiful classic yachts that it's had a
0: j-class or something no it's a, a it's a private J class.
2: it's yeah it's but it had been it's had seven owners in its history including being requisitioned for the war effort so it's one of these beautiful old vessels that has been modified over time mm. and the last significant modification was not terribly elegant So it was a lot about stripping back and removing things off the vessel. But then, you know, once it got into the shipyard and we had sort of demoed it, we started finding like beautiful, huge, thick, old growth pine wood that we were able to repurpose and reuse and, you know, there were bullet holes in it from the war and you you find all of these interesting pieces. Um, And maybe in this project, storytelling was a little bit more obvious because, each it's of the guests, each of the guest cabins yeah. has some kind of reference to one of the previous owners or previous name of the vessel. And, and sometimes it's really subtle. Like one of the cabins is called Gaviota. The ship at one point had been named Gaviota. And it's just the ruffled fabric we used on the wall as a reference to seagull feathers. So sometimes it's subtle elements like that. Yeah. But also the way that the client gave us the brief was I want you to capture the spirit of when it would have been launched, rather than something that had sort of been bastardised over the decades and changed. Um, so it was a really simple brief and, and it was quite fun to do that.
3: Wonderful. And clients love, you know, once the house is finished, telling these stories. Yes. You know, and I think that's so nice, you know, once we've told our stories, they can tell these. Mm.
1: Do you give them a narrative, a book? almost on the project so that they can tell stories once it's been completed sometimes
3: we make books for projects but other times you know they just know the story so well from Mm. being part of the process
0: yeah i mean you've taken them to see the thing being made or whatever it is and and they and they love that they love telling it to their friends great dinner party yeah yeah thank you so much Inga and nathan for your time today that was the most fantastic and inspirational conversation
1: yes excellent discussion thanks so much for your time and thank you for hosting us in your beautiful home as well that's been lovely to to chat with you. We do hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please do get in touch on our social profiles. We're at Interior Design Business Pod. This episode has been a Wildwood Plus production.